Welcome again to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. On today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is going to be sharing his Easter message entitled, Because of the Empty Tomb, from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Now, if you're looking for a church home, a place to connect with other believers and to serve and to worship, we'd love to see you at Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com or call us at 479-442-4634. Again, Pastor Kirk is sharing from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Let's listen together. So good to see you today. Thankful for this day, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection all the year round, but something is special about this day every year. Did you know that many people have a very high regard for Jesus Christ? They say he is one of the, one of the greats of history, you know, along with Gandhi and Muhammad and Aristotle and others. They, they hold him in high regard and they say that, that he was a good man, but that he was not the God man. That they come short of that because by acknowledging him as God in the flesh, then they have to deal with the words that he spoke. And Jesus made himself exclusive. He said, I am the way, there is no other. I am the truth, there is no other. I am the life, there is no other life. And by believing in Him, and only by believing in Him, can one have the confidence and the hope of eternal life. And some people even who call themselves Christians, and maybe even confess that they too believe that He is God, only give Him an occasional glance. Only give Him an occasional nod. But most every day, they live for themselves. They live in their own little bubble, hoping that somehow when life is over, they'll get to go to heaven, but not having that assurance in their heart. My friend, Jesus Christ is the absolute center of the universe, and he is the central person of all history. He is the creator of all things, and as the Word says, without Him not nothing else was made that was made. It was all created and came about as a result of His spoken Word. He is the cause of His own effect. He is not a spectator of world events. He is the one who initiates and directs them. Even all of the evils we see in this world, even Satan himself, understand it's not a matter of just light against dark. It's not a matter of just good against bad. Understand that even the devil is God's devil and does God's bidding and God's alone. 
He is the one who initiates and directs all the affairs of man. Without him, our universe would not hold together, and neither would your life, and neither would mine. During his earthly ministry, Jesus referred to himself by several terms. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the door to eternal life. Again, exclusive words, the door, not one of many that may get you there. Others have referred to him, historians for instance, as the door of history. They say that, that he is the door between history's past and history's present. Our very calendars reflect that when we refer to B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Well, I want to suggest to you, if Jesus is the door to heaven, and if Jesus is the door of history, then the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the hinge on which that door swings. Without the resurrection, every other claim of Christ is false. Without the resurrection, his death on the cross was useless. Without the resurrection, the Sermon on the Mount, and all the other great <clears throat> teachings of the Gospels, John 3, 16, all of these words fall flat were it not for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In his dying, he proved that he was 100% man. But in the resurrection, he proves that he is 100% God. Now, I realize that the math of that may not work for you, but the union of Jesus being all man and all God, this hypostatic union, understand, is essential. They do not conflict with each other, but in Christ, they fulfill each other. All of it, every detail, every second planned, before the first tuck of creation's clock. Each place and player known, the tree as good as grown, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before God gave Adam his first breath, Christ had pledged his last. Do you believe in the resurrection? I mean, do you stake your life on it? I want to suggest to you that the resurrection has changed everything. And I want to ask the question this morning and seek to answer it from John 20. What has changed for you and me as a result of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? The disciples had a hard time accepting it. It seemed to them when they first heard it to be an idle tale. They did not believe. These were men who had spent three and a half years side by side walking every step with Jesus except the steps 
to the cross. They had been with him. They had forsaken all to follow him. They had listened to his teachings. They had picked up the fragments, the leftovers, when he fed the multitudes with a little boy's lunch. They saw him walk on water. They heard him calm the wind with just his voice. They had been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And yet when it was reported to them that he was alive, they thought it was an idle tale. They did not believe. Well, Jesus took care of that disbelief, and we read about it in John chapter 20. Let me list a few things for you that changed because of the resurrection, because of the empty tomb. Number one, because of the empty tomb, our fears are not founded. Our fears have no basis at all. Our fears are unnecessary, just like they were for the apostles. Listen to verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. That's how the chapter starts. But go down to verse 19 and read this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week... The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Were the disciples afraid? Were they fearful? Absolutely. They had seen Jesus, most of them from a distance. They had seen him brutally murdered on a cross. They had seen him beaten to to the point that he no longer resembled human flesh, according to the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. They had seen this come to pass. They were fearful for their own lives. They had scattered. They had proclaimed faithfulness and declared loyalty to the end. But when the end started to unfold, they scattered. They were afraid. It had been a week of conflict. They had seen it go from Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Palm Sunday. To absolutely the other side of the uh, scale. And they had heard the words crucify him, crucify him by the end of the week. And they were afraid for their lives. Though Jesus had spoken peace to them in the upper room no less than three different times, and then three more times in this chapter, he continues to, sing, uh, to preach the same message, peace be unto you. Peace, peace. Beloved, understand this. Fear is not from God, except the fear of snakes and spiders. I believe God gives us that as a special anointing of the Lord, don't you? But understand the things we fear for our lives, for our futures, for our careers, for our children, for our grandchildren. So many of these fears 
are unfounded and they are not from the Lord. We talked about that a few weeks ago in the upper room as we talked about what Jesus had to say and why we could be uh, confident and not fearful. But remember this from 2 Timothy 1.7. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And remember that in the book of 1 John, the Bible tells us in chapter 4 that we fear because our love has not been made complete in Jesus because we still are in our flesh and we still struggle with sin. And perfect love, he said, will cast out fear. Fear is not from God. Fear is, and peace is not an absence of conflict or even danger, but it is the presence of God. The only way to have peace is to have Christ not only as Savior, but as the Lord of our lives. And remember this, and keep Keep this in your thoughts as you leave in a little bit. That the present and the future has two handles. They have two handles. You can take hold of the present and the future by the handle of fear, or you can take hold of it by the handle of faith. And you make that choice every single day. But because of the empty tomb... Our fears are not founded. We don't have to live in fear. Number two, because of an empty tomb, our hopes are not frustrated or foolish. Look at verse 20 of chapter 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Even then, they did not believe that this was the Lord until they saw the scars here and here. But when he showed them that, all of a sudden, their hopes that they had lost sight of, their hope for the future that had gotten frustrated and seemed foolish. We put all of our confidence in this man, and he died. He left us. He said he would never leave us or forsake us, yet he left and said, where I'm going, you cannot go. But he came back as the prophets had promised. As Jesus will say later on in this day, this very day that we're reading about here, he'll say to two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Oh, foolish, foolish men. Slow of heart to believe. Why did you not understand what the prophet said? Why did you not believe their words? Why did you not believe my words? That a grain of wheat has to die and fall to the ground. But if it does, it will bear fruit. It will rise back up. Our hopes are not frustrated. You see, these men have put all their hopes and all their confidence in Jesus, then they saw those hopes dashed. <clears throat> when we talk about hope in the biblical sense, we need to remember what hope is. It is not wishful thinking, like I hope this or I hope that. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe it will come true, maybe it will not. Hopes 
to you and me are wishful thinking. But when the Bible uses the term hope, it's talking about not wishful thinking, but confident assurance. Something you can take to the bank. Something you can be sure of. Romans chapter 5 has a lot to say about that hope. And the book of Hebrews has a lot to say about that hope. Hope will not disappoint or frustrate us. Romans 5 tells us that. Hebrews 6 tells us that our hope is based on a sure promise and a steadfast anchor. That the hope we have in Christ is not an anchor that goes down, down, down to the murky depths and the blackness of the sea. But he says in Hebrews 6 that this anchor goes up, 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 and it's fixed around the very throne of God. Our hope is based on the fact that God is on his throne. And God is still in control. And because of the empty tomb, our fears are not founded and our hopes are not frustrated. Number three, because of an empty tomb, our lives are not fruitless. Our lives are not futile. Listen to verses 21 through 23. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. There it is again. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He still has a plan for their lives. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. These men... For three and a half years, had served alongside Jesus. He had commissioned them. They had gone out and they had healed and they had preached the gospel. And they had seen people's lives changed. But when Jesus died, all of that seemed to come to an end, seemed to be fruitless. What about our future now? What about our lives now? Are we going to live a fruitless, futile existence? Are we going to go back to fishing Are we going to go back to tax collecting? Are we going to go back to being uh, zealots ready to assassinate any Roman that we see? Are we going back to our old ways? What's left for us? Jesus said, there's still a purpose for you. I still have a plan. I'm still sending you. And now receive the power that I promised you as he breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. Folks, there are three different levels you can live life at. You can live life at the survival level. I've been there. How about you? Where every day you're just trying to make it through another day. You're trying to do that relationally. You're just trying to do that financially. You're trying to do that just... Just survive another day. It's day by day. My wife and I have been married for 49 and a half years. And I'm going to tell you, there are still some times that it's still day by day. If you don't believe that, just ask her. She's sitting right over there. Survival level. When you live at survival level, you know what you're trying to get to? 
You're trying to get to the success level of life. You can live at a successful level. Again, relationally, financially, spiritually, we want to be successful. And we all have this idea of what success is going to look like when I get there. And most of the time we measure that by the things that we have and what we have stored up in the bank. Living at success level. I never will forget hearing a very successful man who was successful in business, but he had neglected Christ for all of his life. He had neglected Christ. He called himself a believer. He called himself a Christian, but he just didn't have time for God because he was so busy trying to be successful in his work. He ended up losing his family. He ended up losing his marriage. He ended up losing just about everything he had. He said, you know what? He said, I climbed the ladder to success only to discover when I got to the top it was leaning against the wrong building. I got to the top, but where was I when I got there? You see, what we really need and desire in life is not to live on the survival level or even the successful level. We are looking to live a significant life. The significance level of life. And can I say to you, that is only found in Christ. You can make a lot of contributions in life. You can invent something that, that serves people and is a blessing to people. <clears throat> you can give away all that you have to bless other people and be a blessing to them. But I want to tell you, the only level of significance that there is is the significance that's found in Jesus Christ. And you know what? You can have that kind of significance and still be poor living at the survival level of life in your finances. You can be significant for the kingdom even if you never find success in this world. You see, in fact, oftentimes it is seeking the success of this world that you trade away the significance in God's eyes. Sometimes God lets you experience both, and that's a tremendous blessing. But I want you to know something. Christ has given us the forgiveness of our sins. He's given us a purpose to live for. He has given us the power to live by the Holy Spirit. And He has promised us a heavenly home. What else in this life do you need? Because of an empty tomb, our lives are not fruitless and they're not futile. Number four, because of an empty tomb, I like this one, our failures are not Fatal. Our failures are not fatal. Do you remember two of these disciples in particular? Do you remember Thomas? And do you remember Peter? Do you remember what Peter did before the crucifixion? And do you remember how Thomas responded 
to the resurrection. Well, we have at least the story of Thomas addressed for us, beginning in verse 24. Follow along in your, in your Bibles. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them this time. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. That's the fifth time that he's declared peace. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it here in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet have we believed. You know, as far as we know, all of these apostles were fearful and faithless once Jesus had been brutally crucified. But these two, doubting Thomas and denying Peter. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Doubting Thomas became believing Thomas because of the resurrection. Denying Peter became the bold and fearless declaring Peter because of the resurrection. The empty tomb made all the difference for these two men who failed the Lord. And I want to say, I know you well enough to know that every last one of you have failed the Lord And I lift my hand and say, and that goes double for me. What do you have in your past that when it comes to mind, you just cringe when you think about it? Things you have said, things you have done, something you did not do that you should have. What is it that, that you hope and pray never becomes common knowledge to other people you go to church with. Maybe even your own family. Well, I want to say something to you. Easter is about resurrection, but it is also about restoration. Amen? It is also about forgiving and forgetting the past. It's about resurrection, but it's also about restoration. And there is a key truth that is at work here, and I hope that you will take this, and I hope that you will act on this, that no matter how far you have strayed from Christ, no matter how long you have been away, the journey back into full fellowship is just one step. You may have strayed far. You may have been away for a long, long time. 
But the return trip is but one step. For you may have left him a long time ago, but he is still with you every step you make. One step of repentance is all it takes for everything to be new again for you like it was for Thomas and for Peter. Let me give you another thought. Because of the empty tomb, our disappointments and heartaches are not forever. They're not forever. These men were brokenhearted and disappointed when Jesus died on the cross. But understand, it wasn't forever. It was but three days. And they found out their disappointments and heartaches weren't going to last forever. Verse 30 says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. That's John's words about his gospel. He's saying, there's so many other things I could tell you. Things that happened before the resurrection, things that happened after the resurrection, but I could not record them all. He says in the book of Revelation, also written by this same man, that I suppose if everything was written about Jesus that he did and said, I'll take that back, this is also in the gospel. He said the world itself could not contain all the books. Why? Because at the cross, that disappointment and that heartbreak did not last forever. It was over. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's how the psalmist said it in Psalm 30. I read something that made me laugh this week. It was basically just a little meme that said, Pilate is speaking to Joseph of Arimathea. And he said, Joseph, what are you doing? You are the wealthiest man in this whole part of the country. And you've just dug out and you've just made for you and your family a brand new grave for you and your family, a burial site. And now you've given it to that Jesus? And Joseph's answer was, he only needed it for the weekend. <laughs> it was kind of like the first verbo. Here it is. He only needed it for the weekend. Why? Because our disappointments and our heartaches are so temporary. I don't know what you're going through right now. Some of you are have recently lost someone very dear to you or you are still living with the fresh wounds of having lost someone that you never thought and imagined your life being without. Some of you maybe have been given a diagnosis from a doctor, from a medical professional, something you never thought would be said about you. You have something right now weighing heavy on your life. 
But understand, the final chapter has not been written yet. Yes, there is sorrow and there is weeping. But it is for the night. Joy is going to come in the morning. Now, in the morning, maybe when this life is over, it may not be a morning that you experience in time and space here. But it's coming to you. It's promised to you. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. That the sufferings of this life, the heartache of this life, the disappointments of this life, the pain of this life, they, uh, they just pale in comparison with the glory that we're going to experience. It's going to be revealed not just to us, but in us in glory. That's because of an empty tomb. Well, I know you've been here longer than you wanted to be, but let me give you one more. Because of the empty tomb, our fears are not founded. Our hopes are not frustrated. Our lives are not fruitless or futile. Our failures are not fatal. And our disappointments and heartaches are not forever. But because of the empty tomb, our deaths are not final. Our deaths are not final. Verse 31 of our text, But these are written, John said, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Abundant life in this life, eternal life in the next. You have that because of Jesus. Paul wrote to the Corinthians these words, Now if Christ is proclaimed to be raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead for us? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, speaking of us, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that was the first Adam, that was Adam of the garden. By a man, that is the second Adam, that is Christ. But by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And to that we would say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Resurrect your people. Resurrect us from the death of this life. Resurrect us from the grave that awaits. Resurrect us because Jesus 
is resurrected. He is alive today, folks. He is in this service in the form of the Spirit. He is here among us. And to all of our fears, unrest, and doubt today, Jesus says this, Do not be afraid. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death, who rose from death and the grave and the power of the resurrection. Lord, reinforce that truth to us every single day that we live. And may we be found serving you and following you with our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.